You are listening to the Let Them Testify podcast with your girl, Layla. So what are you waiting for? Let's testify. Welcome, guys. We're so happy to have you here today. On this episode, I'm interviewing someone who's very special to me, and that is my dad. He has had a life full of ups and downs, and I'm so excited to see how God has come through for him and what his relationship's been like. So let's go. Welcome, Dad. Hey, Dale. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I guess, firstly, uh, it's good to spend some time with you today. Let's get to know you a little bit. So, obviously, from what we've just said, you're my dad. I've known you for 27, nearly 28 years now. Mm-hmm. But I just want to get a bit of a picture around for the listener what life was like for you because. Obviously, you're older than 27. So, where did you grow up? What was your family like? That kind of thing. Yes, well, I was the first born of Linda Margaret Jones on a farm in New South Wales, a little place uh, eight kilometres uh, north of Narandra, which is a little country town of about 3,000 people. Uh, 3,500, something like that. Um, so I grew up on the farm, went to school in Narendra, did all my schooling in Narendra. Um, my family were all, were always a Christian family, although when I was born, my mum and dad were Presbyterians. And um, when I was about five, they changed their religion to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and my life changed a lot after that. That's um, that's really interesting. So, uh, how would you would you say your life changed after? Well, Seventh Day Adventists worship on Sabbath on Saturday, the same as the Jewish folk. Um, being a little country town, that was really seen as weird. Weird, yeah, yeah. Also, my mum and dad became vegetarian when I was about five, um, which was almost like in an area where cattle and sheep are grown, almost like treason. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I got, I mean, back then, we're talking back in the in the 60s, mid-60s, um, there wasn't all the vegan stuff that there is today. Vegetarian wasn't even normal. You could say that vegetarianism wasn't trending. No, there was nothing trending. <laughs> that wasn't a word we used back then. Um, yeah, so... You know, we were vegetarian and we worshipped on Saturday and Adventists back there were quite a, a legalistic bunch, at least they were in Narendra and I have heard from others that it was pretty much the same. So, yeah, it, was, it definitely impacted my life. So you say that they, were, that they changed to Adventism when you were five. As a five-year-old, what did that mean for you? Like, other than the food and the day that you went to church, what else, like, how was God portrayed for you when? Oh, well, at five, I probably didn't know too much. Um, I don't remember too much about being a five-year-old. 
Um, but certainly as I grew up as in the church over the next 11, 12 years, because I left home when I was 16, um, church, uh, God was always portrayed as, well, the whole religious thing was very much about keeping up the standards. It was very, very Presbyterian in a sense. No, I'm not Presbyterian, I'm very Methodist in a sense. Um, you know, we, 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 no dancing, uh, you know, we had to be careful with your language, you certainly didn't swear, um, not, that I don't, not that I think that's a bad thing, but um, you know, we were very, very strict um, on pretty much everything we did. Would you say that you felt trapped? Oh, trapped is probably not something I would have understood back then. Um, I just assumed that what mum and dad were telling me, and well, in fact, not only mum and dad, I mean, all the folk that came to the church, um, all the messages that we got, both in the local church and at camp meetings and everything like that, were always very much um, very legal focused. So for those who don't know what that means, what, what, was, what was the ramifications of that? Well, basically, um, your life revolved around doing, revolved around behaviour. Yeah. So your behaviour had to be within a certain set of very strict parameters. So, you know, like I said, we didn't go to the dances, we didn't go to, we didn't go to the movie theatre, because they were all playgrounds of the devil. We didn't go to um, circuses. We didn't go to pretty much anywhere, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from that, I, I can assume that that's what you thought that God was like, that he was kind of like this giant fun oh, sucker. Absolutely. I was terrified of him. Uh, what, what did you think would happen if you didn't live within those guidelines, parameters? Um. Basically, you would be, you would miss out on life, eternal life, and you would, um, yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell. You'd miss out on eternal life. You would die. I didn't. We were never taught because Adventists don't believe in eternally burning hell. Yeah. We were, so we were never taught that. Basically, you would die and you would miss out, and God would say, "No, nah, door shut to you." Yeah, I can imagine. Well, having lived a not nowhere near as strict, but living an ex- similar experience, for me at least, it was very, um, like, you're like an outcast. And, like, I know I often thought that God was, like, angry at me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I know that, like, well, in my lifetime, you struggled with mental health a lot. Um... Do you think that that stemmed from your belief system? Oh, there's no question in my mind. Um, the mental health problems I had were basically fear and were you know, depression and anxiety, and then that's all fear-based. Um, I was terrified of God. I was terrified that um, He would destroy me, and that I would never, um, I wouldn't get to. I mean, basically, life as I knew it wasn't all that much fun 
And any time I wanted to have fun, I was always scared that God was going to stop that fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, like, there's only so long that a person can live like that. So, did you ever walk away? Oh, absolutely. When I, uh, after my first marriage failed, I basically thought, this is crazy. And I left completely. And I basically um, just enjoyed as much of the good things as life as I could afford. Yeah. Wine, women and song, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Did, so obviously, because you're on this podcast, you didn't stay gone. That's probably the worst wording for that. But, you know, whatever. Um, So, did you find fulfillment out there? Like, what was it like? It's pretty empty. I mean, I was living totally for me, totally self-focused lifestyle. And there's no real satisfaction in that. There are um, periods of pleasure. There's no question about that. But there's also lots of periods of um, really deep anguish. Um, Like I said, my first marriage failed. And then I found out after she'd left that she was carrying my child. And I felt quite guilty that I wasn't there to raise this little boy. And... You know, there was a lot of stuff like that um, going on. I had a number of attempts at suicide in my early, well, late teens, early 20s. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess there wasn't a huge range of support back then either because, like, mental health is a massive thing that we're aware of now, but or even just growing up with, like, you, whenever anybody talked about it, it was always fairly shameful. So... What kind of support was there out there? Nothing. Nothing, yeah. Well, you, you, there was the doctor. I went to the doctor and he put me on tablets. Yeah. And basically that was all there was. Um, I was considered too high a functioning to, to go to a hospital, although I did, I did end up in, in hospital on one occasion, but that was well before you were on the scene. Um, but, yeah, no, no, there was very little support um, for, for people with you know, high-functioning mental health problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I guess you're in this place where you're scared of God and you think that he's going to hit you or, like, hurt you or reject you or whatever it was. Um, But then you've experienced the world and there's no real meaning there either. So what was the turning point for you? What made you want to come back? Um... I guess I, I wanted to try and understand what what it was about guys. I, I, I always there was always a disconnect in my head because um, John writes in First John four eight that God is love. Yeah. But then that disconnected with God will destroy you. Love me or I'll destroy you. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 that didn't work. And I didn't didn't understand that. And I thought. If I can just get my head around what actually is the, is the truth. And so I, um, I had a number of periods of time where I would read and try and understand. And I could see, I, I read through a book called The Great Controversy, no, through a book called, not The Great Controversy, The, the Desire of Ages, both by the same author. Um, and the, the depiction 
of Jesus Christ in that book was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it was no trouble whatsoever to fall in love with Jesus Christ because he, the, the picture of Jesus was just astounding. And and so there's there's almost like here's a picture of God in human form, who is beautiful, who is attractive, who who I want to be with. Yeah. And yet. We have this other picture of God destroying people. Yeah. Like, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Like, sheep and the goats, all of that sort of stuff. And I guess for quite a few years, I sort of just wore that. I thought, well, I don't really understand it, but I don't want to walk away from Jesus because I, I well, I, can, I fall in love with him. He, he, is, he, is, he is kind, he is compassionate, he, he is understanding, he is loving. In, in all sorts of ways, he's a good God. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just wanted to be with him, and I didn't really understand. And it wasn't until oh, much, much later that I really um, came to understand the character of Jesus is the same character as the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just want to like delve into that a bit. So I guess for me, like watching this journey, I mean, as a really little kid, you don't really notice that much, but. I remember, like, I guess, late, like, 9, 10 from about then onwards, I started to really take note of, like, you and your personality. And, like, there's a lot of stuff that happened around, like, mental health and stuff in our family that I won't get too much into now. But um, I remember once we moved to South Australia um, and you came into contact with um, a lady at the school that I work at and she gave you some books and stuff and I watched you change um, from like this dad who was really, really fearful to a dad who was actually quite nice to be around, which was a lovely change for me. Um, so I just want to explore that journey a bit for you um, in what what did that do for you internally? Yeah, well, the lady was, was um, Fiona Jacobs. Um, she was one of the teachers at the Prescott School, and she came to um, church one one day, and she and I was I was already changing by then. I was already sort of thinking, well, you know, stuff that I've read in the scriptures and the stuff that I've been hearing from people like Ty Gibson and David Ashrick, um, and there was a few others as well. A, there was a whole lot of a whole picture of God that just seemed to be changing. Yeah. There seemed to be a lot more love in well the church itself had changed. There was a lot more love than when I was a kid. Um, but she she said, Oh, a lot of your answers line up with, with um uh, Tim Jennings and Come and Reason and, and that and that's ministry and I said, Who's that? I'd never heard of Tim Jennings or Come and Reason Ministries. And so she I, I wrote it down and I got online and looked it up and I listened to a whole lot of his his um his podcasts. Actually, they weren't podcasts, they were lectures that he'd given that had been recorded. And I thought, wow, that all makes so much sense. He talked about God's law being natural law, that it's not God that kills people, it's sin that kills people. God desires only to save, and he's got he's provided salvation for every single human being if they would just choose to accept it. Um, only people, the only people who will be lost will be people who have rejected the remedy for their sinful condition. Which, and it, it made it clear that sinfulness is just basically selfishness. Yeah. 
And things like, you know, we have these words like sin and, and, and that's basically selfish. We have words like um, faith. Well, that's basically trust. Yeah. A few, a few bits and pieces like that. And so getting to understand them in a more sort of common sense way yeah. really helped because it, it changed the focus on, you know, God being this great um, cosmic cop judge person to God being a loving father who just wants his children home. And like the story of the prodigal son where the father runs and throws his arms around his kid and stinks like a big sigh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow, that's beautiful. And that's God the Father. Yeah. And so, you know, coming to understand and, and Jesus himself saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says that over and over again if yeah. you read through the gospel. Yeah, so many times. Absolutely. So as I came to understand you know, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity thing is all about love and it's about acceptance and about you belong to me, you know? And you can walk away if you choose, but I'm not, never going to cast you aside. Yeah. And so that feeling of belonging to God just felt awesome because not only is he love, he's all-powerful. So it's, it's the ultimate big brother, you yeah. know? So safe, so protected. Yes, stuff happens on earth and you're not going to step in and, and, you know, override everything that happens because we live here and we live in the situation that we're living with, um, you know, human beings that are basically selfish and so you're going to run into people that are going to do stuff that's bad for you. You're going to get ripped off. You can't trust everybody. That's unfortunate, but that's reality. But you can trust God and I I have learned to trust him and that has changed my life completely. That's that's really awesome. Um... In what what areas of your life, like externally, did you see the biggest change, like after having this kind of? I guess it's like it's a, it's a hard conversion, really. Once you understand like the truth that you know you don't have to be afraid of God and that He mm. is awesome. Um, how what areas of your life did you see change? Well, obviously, when you're no longer afraid. So, I mean, the first half of my life, I was in fear all the time. And that affects your mental health, it affects your physical health, um, it affects your relationships, it affects everything about you. Yeah. When that fear evaporated, when I came to understand that God wasn't out to hurt me, God wanted, all God wanted to do was save me, all God wanted to do was heal me and, help, and restore me back to the trust and love relationship that, that he created human, humans with. And so... Fear's gone now. Um, yeah, I'm still, um, you know, if, if I got someone come at me with a big knife, I suppose I'd be afraid. <laughs> it's, it's not as if I've turned into some sort of freak creature, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not living in fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because, you know, because I'm not living in fear, um, my relationship with my wife changed. Um, Joanne's an amazing woman and she's put up with, heaps with me with my children through mental health and she's very happy with the way I am because <laughs> you know I'm a lot more understanding I'm a lot more I mean, there's a script there's a scripture that says by beholding you become changed and I was beholding an angry vengeful judgmental God and now that's changed to a God that uh, the truth about God has finally come in and I've, I'm now beholding a God who is loving who is compassionate, who is good, who is caring, who is serving, 
And so those are the sort of things that, that have changed in my life. I'm, I'm much happier to serve. Uh, when I was focused on me all the time because I was afraid, and that's, fear leads to selfishness even more than anything, um, you know, you're always watching out for your own back. Yeah. Well, now I watch out for other people's backs. I watch out for Joe's back. I watch out for my kids' backs. I watch out for my grandkids' back. I'm care. I care for people more. Yeah. Um, and that's only because because of my body holding. I've become changed, and the the Holy Spirit has imbued the character of Christ within me, which is why the Apostle Paul says, "It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me," because it's it's Christ's character that's become my character. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so for people who don't understand what imbued means, what does that word mean? Become a part of. So Christ developed a human, a perfect human character. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is working on my heart so that it, be, that it will become a part of me. It will become my character. Yeah. I guess that kind of runs into the whole beholding, by beholding you become changed thing, which um, in psychology is called the, it's like modeling mm. so um whatever you're looking at that's what you'll become like mm. um i've always found it super interesting when i learned this that like this by beholding you, you become changed is actually a psychological thing that like psychologists teach even mm. well, once it's only that, about reality though isn't yeah, it psychology yeah. is all about the reality of how we think yeah um and yeah but like i just love that even though that's not coming out of the Bible necessarily, it just kind of backs up the the like natural law side of things that like God isn't trying to like control us or anything like that. It's just like this, like the law of gravity, for example. Like you drop something, it's gonna fall. Whatever you're looking at, that's what you're going to become like. And it just takes away this like dictatorship of like a someone who's trying to rule over you kind of thing I mean God is it's, the scriptures make it very clear that God is all powerful so if God wanted to control us not a problem he created us in the first place he could just make us little robots but clearly that then we wouldn't love him yeah it would be like the echo telling me that she loves me you know which is rubbish it's just you can you can you can program apparently you can buy these little robot dogs and they'll do everything you ask them to do and almost tell you that they love you. It's just rubbish. It's, you don't get any feelings from that. Yeah. God wanted us to choose to trust him and to love him. And, to, and, to, and in so doing, so he's given us freedom. He's gone extraordinary lengths to maintain our freedom. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit of digression there. Um, so I guess... Um, from that and seeing that your relationship with like everyone around you has changed i guess for the listener out there who's like grown up in a similar environment to you and like i know like i'm a lot younger than you are but i still had a lot of that stuff when i was a kid not just from like growing up in the same family as you but also from like church in general but for the listener out there who has been through that as well and can't um, like put together that God is love, but he also is like condemning as well. Mm. What would you encourage them to do? Well, 
I'd encourage them to read some of the material that's on Common Reason, particularly about, um, there's a lot of blogs that Tim Jennings has written about um, the, what was that one called? the destruction of the wicked and, you know, the, the result, the, the ending of sin and the, the consequences of sin and does God kill and all of that sort of stuff because it's very clear when you understand the scriptures um, a lot of the scriptures have been translated with a very legalistic perspective because it's the well the modern Protestant church which has come out of Roman Catholicism have still got that underlying legal sort of situation or status which basically says that the problem that human beings have is that we're legally um, at fault with God, and God's a big judge. And because we're, le we're because we've legally broke, because we've broken His law, then then the problem's a legal problem. Well, clearly it's not a legal problem because we, there was no um, there was no written law in the Garden of Eden. They only had one commandment: don't don't go near that tree because it's bad news. And so what they do, they got to that tree and they found out it was bad news. And so it, it actually changed their... They, they chose not to trust God, which actually changed their character. And all of their prodigy, which is us, yeah. we all have this fear of God that, that because of the broken relationship. Now, when God has always been trying to restore the trust. And... Um, it, to restore trust, I mean, God can make make statements that says, you know, no, what Satan said is a lie, I am trustworthy, blah, blah, blah. But that's not going to do it because, I mean, you, you really need to see the evidence of that. And so that's what we, Jesus came to the earth for, yeah. to show us the evidence. And when you read the life of Christ, you see the compassion that he had for people. You see that he spent most of his ministry years, or three and a half years of ministry, in healing people and in restoring and people to, to sound minds with you know, demon possession and all of the things that he did, he did far more of that than he did preaching. His whole, the whole evidence of his life is one of compassion and, and love and restoration and ennobling and it's just, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and when you come to realise that the Father is right there with him and so is the Holy Spirit... And all three of them are interceding with us to come and look at the evidence and come back home. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a beautiful picture of, um, yeah, just like your family calling you home. That's, that's, that's really beautiful. We are his children and he wants us back. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, just to end things on a lighter note, I suppose. For like a final question, I guess, what would be your favourite characteristic so far that you've learnt about God? Favourite characteristic? Yeah. His love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the eternal gospel. Yeah. God is love. Yeah. Because if, if God was vengeance or God was hateful, that would be terrifying. Yeah. But God is love. Yeah. And that's brilliant. Yeah, it is. Anyway, thank you so much for coming and doing this with me. Well, 
I came to you. But anyway, <laughs> um, thanks, thanks again for being on the podcast with me. Well, that's that. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, guys. I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, please don't hesitate to chuck us a message in the DMs. Our Instagram is at let them testify or one word look forward to either seeing you there or seeing you in our next podcast bye